And I call them devils because Kilkenny devils, right? It's any team, truthfully, I mean, hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down clear at the moment, I, I do think it's Kenny. Join myself, Willow Callahan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're welcome along. So uh, plenty to discuss as ever on a Monday evening. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent here in studio. Thanks for the time. Hi, Joe. And Fiona Hayes. Hello. Long time no talk. Hi, Joe. How are you? It's Um, been a long time. Well, we thought Munster were so good at the weekend, it might be an opportune (laughs) time to bring you back into the mix, you know? So that was the thinking. Uh, I'm sure people saw it over the weekend. uh, Further disappointment for Munster in Wales. 23-17 defeat to the Dragons. A pretty abject display, which we'll come to. Uh, Saturday, the Stormers ran away in the second half against Connacht. They'd finished 38-15. Ulster, away to a pretty strong Scarlets team, must be said, put 55 points on the board, 55-39 the final score. And then Leinster, Friday night, 42-10 against Benetton. Kieran Frawley injured and out of the Emerging Ireland Tour. The news from that game. And Stuart Lancaster today confirming his departure at the end of the season. Uh, next week, given their performance, obviously, uh, White Scarlet's Ulster hosting Leinster in Belfast catches the eye. That's on Friday night. Munster will uh, get some points on the board, you would think, at home to Zebre. And Connacht once again remain on in South Africa. They play the Bulls in week four. Uh, there could be uh, a fairly desperate fight between Connacht and Munster on the Friday night. So that's all ahead of us. We'll start with Munster. Rodney Parade, 23-17. Uh, first defeat in seven years to the Dragons for uh, Munster. Uh, Dean Ryan's uh, sacking in the midst of week one and two for Dragons uh, caught the eye in advance. There was a pre-match interview where the remaining coach was interviewed on Welsh television and couldn't say anything about anything. And it was just, it all pointed to a ramshackle situation. And I guess those things, Fiona, can go either way. And in the end, there was a touch of siege mentality about Dragons. So, you know, they put up a bit of a fight. You give them a, a degree of credit for sure. And, you know, an, an odd builder for them. But really, this is all about Munster and, and frankly, how poor they were across the board, almost every facet of the game. Yeah, you got it in one. It was across the board, Joe. It was probably one of the most disappointing games of rugby I've watched Munster play in a long time. Um, I know that a lot of internationals had come back into fray. They'd been away, you know, obviously had a, had a good uh, summer after the summer tour, but the just handling errors, the errors at line out time um, was just not acceptable for these guys coming back in. At the end of the day, they're, they're senior players. They should be able to take that step up. The knock-ons I couldn't get over and... I, and I suppose one of the things that really stood out to me was, you know, Graham Rountree talked during the week from the previous game, how they worked really hard around that breakdown for the whole week. And it was an area they focused on. And I just thought after the first 20 minutes that went out the window again and um, they got caught at breakdown time. They were a bit slow. The ball carrier was just falling dead to the ground. There wasn't any body fight and it was just really disappointing. And I'm sure the coaching staff were really disappointed as well. Players need to take ownership on this. Yes, because that was the big complaint from week one, the Munster effort at the breakdown. So it wasn't surprising to hear they'd focused on it during the week. So first 20 minutes, you thought it was okay in that department? 
Yeah, I thought they looked a lot sharper. I thought they were getting there in their twos and threes. I thought the clean out was far more effective. They looked they looked like they had done the work. You know, I saw it. I was like, okay, this this is an area they've obviously tightened up from from last week. But as the pressure came on from the dragons and the errors started to creep on, it's almost still like Munster were forcing things and everything that they'd obviously focused on in the week previous went out the window because they got turned over a couple of times um, at the breakdown at key moments. And it was just literally with the ball carrier going in, the the, the clean outs were, were too um, late coming to your arrival. And they're just simple things really that need to be fixed. And it just didn't look any cohesion there at all. They looked kind of when the pressure came on, as I said, they looked like they were going off in ones and twos and, and, and it cost them dearly. Hmm. Yeah, it's the thing is we know Munster will pitch up, but they played Toulouse in the European Cup in December and, and you've no doubt that they'll perform that day, they'll put it up to Toulouse. No, it might not win, but it'll be full blood and thunder and it'll be you know, that they'll, they'll arrive at that point. But when it comes to the business end of the season when trophies are given out, it's these games that cost you. It's 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 not being consistently at a seven or eight out of ten all season, even when you're it's your first game. Even when you've got a new coach and you're betting a new system, being able to win away from the Dragons is what Leinster have been able to do consistently. And Ulster are increasingly doing it as they pull away from Munster as the second best team in Ireland. And Munster now have two points from ten, two points out of ten in an 18-game season. And their next five games are they've got Zebre, which you would hope, although Zebre have now run two teams close, two teams that are better than close at home in the first two games. Zebre followed by Connacht away, Leinster away, and then uh, I think it's the Bulls at home and Ulster away. That's not an easy schedule, and that's not. There's no gimme. Well, so apart from Zebra, there's not really any gimmies in there. So you're staring down the barrel of a very difficult URC season as you try and get top four to get a home quarter in semi, um, and potentially even top eight if you if you run. I, like I would back them to get enough points over the course of a season to get into that. And for some reason, Munster have taken almost seem to be sniffy about the URC. Their performance in the, the quarterfinal up in Ravenhill last year. Which now has to be taken as part of a, a decline in, in form since the Toulouse knock the, the penalty shootout last year was appalling. And it's you know a team that hasn't won since 2011 just went up to a quarter final and didn't show up against an Irish um, rival. They've kind of followed that with a really insipid start to the season. They lost both their preseason games. Um, they've lost both their starts games away from home and started the season. Two teams that they would think they should be beating. You know Cardiff and I know they sent over a fairly weak team due to player management and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a bit of a malaise there and, and it's not what a new coach needs, but it's very hard to blame a new coach as he tries to embed systems in a team that looks like it lacks an awful lot of confidence, belief, and is not doing the basics right. There's a lot for Graham Roundtree, Mike Prendergast, Dennis Leamy and Andy Kiriakou to fix. And now they're under pressure to get results as they're trying to bet in a new system. I mean, this was one of the ones they would have ticked on or would have been in their Excel spreadsheet as this is one we can we can tick off in the first couple of weeks of the season. And, you know, no one thought it was going to be completely easy to change the system after Van Graan. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just very, very concerning uh, what we're seeing at the moment. And as well as that, Rory, like the discipline on the day, I like you. You can understand sometimes giving away a few penalties under pressure, but some of the penalties were absolutely shocking. There was guys diving in over the rock off their feet, you know, coming in from the side. Very, very obvious penalties. And you know, as much as you, you could talk about a new um, coaching group, there, these guys know better than that that are on the pitch that you can't get away with that. I know there was obviously at the end we saw Jack O'Donoghue as well, just absolutely killing off the ball to to absolutely seal it for 
for the Dragons. I know they probably had it won anyway, but those penalties really, really need to be taken out of the game of that Munster team because those, it absolutely killed them. And it was at, at areas of the game where you have JJ, they know he can kick. He, he was kicking on form and he was banging him over the bar from absolutely stupid penalties. We're getting to know Graham Rentree, the head coach, so it was always going to be interesting to see how he would talk after a defeat like this. And he was every bit as critical as you two, to be honest. He said, I can't have this. I can't dress it up any better than that. He went on to say, I was surprised by our inaccuracy, particularly going into their 22 and our ability to keep the ball in key areas. That really shocked me, I'll be honest with you. It was just so poor. He said, we'd eight turnovers in the first half alone. We were ill-disciplined. We lost lineouts, knocked the ball on, never got a foothold in the game. That's just a sample of the things he was saying. So they were as disgusted by the performance, really, as I suppose, as any Munster fan looking on. On the, the point about the attitude to the URC that you raise, Rory, because we touched last week on the pre-season and the wedding and the time off, and that was sanctioned by Van Gran, who was out the door and best of luck, lads. You want to have a wedding? Sure, have a wedding. Go for it. Munster, given their ability to win a knockout game away from home, were in no position to be sniffy about any of these games. And you look at the sharpness in Ulster and that sense of momentum they've picked straight up from last season. On we go again. Momentum, belief, let's go. Like There is something to be questioned here increasingly about Munster's start of the season. They had no right to be in any way sniffy about this tournament and they've pitched up almost in this kind of, well, look, we're not at 100% fitness yet. We're professional sports people. How could we be expected to be fit for one of our 18 league games? Yeah, and my my starting point with the it's Peter Romani's wedding, which took place a week before the season started, and and you want to you know they got married, you, you want to you know give them some goodwill, and you you know you don't want to hammer them for for doing that. And I think they had four weddings during the off season, and the internationals have a very short window when they have time off, and they obviously tried to stagger them so that they could all go to each other's weddings, which is a nice thing to do, and you know, but like your professional sports people, you have to sacrifice some things, and this is one of the things like you you may have to do and. It increasingly, as 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 they as they increasingly becomes part of the discussion and that decision and Roundtree's inability to change. I suppose the, the planning was well in place at that stage. Weddings are not easy things to change. They're, they're not at and all. It's, and, it's and, a bit more. So let's not hone in on Peter and It's giving him a week off a week before the season starts. It's, it's, it's the players striking. being released to go yeah. and enjoy themselves at, at at an event a week before the week season started. It's just looking more and more like a poor call mm. and something that's backfired. And you can't say it's the reason that they've they've lost these two games. Um, you know, if they were winning, we could say that they, you know, they had, it was a great team bonding exercise for. Sure. I mean, I'm not sure everyone was there. I mean, <laughs> you know, but but it's 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 one of these things that just as as results go wrong, it looks like a very questionable thing to, to have happened this close to the season, and um, certainly they don't look like a team that had a good preseason. They don't look like it's clicked for them in any way. They don't look tuned in yeah. you know whatever about like people will talk about the Joe Schmidt you know the fact that he lost three of his first four games and, and you know, George Hook called for his head and a random Leinster fan wandered into his press conference in, in Treviso and said is this the beginning of the end for Leinster and uh, which a story Joe told over and over again but like, Joe Schmidt had a dressing room full of proven season internationals they just won a Heineken Cup a couple of years previously you know let, Munster don't have that luxury these players Omani's 33 Murray's 33 uh, Earls, Kilcoyne, Archer, thirty-four. You know, Earls thirty-five next month. These players don't have many seasons left, mm. and they, they've never. You know, a couple of them have picked up a, a Magnus League that started their, their their career. Earls was on the bench in 08 when they won the Heineken Cup. The rest of them have never won anything in Munster colours, 
and it's going to go like you know if they don't get it together now mm. this season's going to go mm. and then it's World Cup and half of them will be there and then next season I'm not sure they were, we, were, we were wrecked after the World Cup yeah. and then they're gone like you know and, and it goes so quickly and, and these guys grew up watching Munster win Heineken Cups mm. and they were the ones whose burden it was to carry the flame and at the moment they're not doing that and throughout their career they've threatened at times to to get there and they've never like they haven't been to a final in, you know in, in Europe for, for an awful long time they've been to a couple of URC finals or whatever it was called at the time and, and they've come up against Leinster and not thrown, thrown a punch it's it's an underwhelming era um, pockmarked by great individual one-off displays and uh, that Razzie season where things threatened but came okay, threatened to be great but finished in two disappointing performances at the Viva Stadium I've made the point there before like these guys careers are, are going to pass and they're going to regret the fact that they weren't able to get it together and we've had a cycle of coaches that they've effectively have come and gone and yeah. you know been blamed and come out and thrown under the bus and people will talk about continuity and stuff ultimately the continuity comes from in the dressing room and it's not there yeah on the fitness point and uh, I'm not entirely comfortable bringing up the wedding but it, it is interesting timing and let's say for a second the wedding's there that's fine and an overall pre-season should be able to absorb a few days off so let, let's not put it all at that particular um, door but certainly Fiona what we can say what we can say for sure is they just don't look to have pitched up with sharpness like even all those knock-ons and balls not being caught you, like you kind of wonder was this a fire and brimstone pre-season under new management I, I think that's what we were all kind of hoping for that that stuff would be really sharp yeah, and I thought it was going to be sharp because we know Roundtree's style. We know he likes to he likes to train at a high tempo. He likes to get the guys going at this, you know, really quick pace. And he wants it short, sharp and everything done under fatigue, basically. He likes to train these guys under fatigue and get them playing just like match situations. He's a big fan of that. And I, and I expected him to come out really sharp from training at that level. But it just didn't seem to happen. Now, that isn't on him. Maybe he's trying to blend it in to see, you know, how much they can train at that and be able to perform at the weekend but like just looking at that game and you know players that are coming back in a lot of players looked on fish you're talking about the wedding I get that I I know people were away in New Zealand but it like they just don't look much sharp and like, how can you train at that high tempo level and come into these big games and still not be Matt Sharp? So that's something you need to look at. Maybe some of the guys leaving, going off to this emerging Ireland, put a dent into some plans of, of what he was doing. And some of these guys had to come back and play a little bit earlier. But like Dragons Away is definitely a game you'd expect Munster to put in a big performance. And I thought maybe other than Healy at times and Casey, I don't think anybody put their hand up. And especially in the in the pack, I thought it was quite lethargic. They couldn't get gain line. Scrum was okay, but line out failed a lot of the times and it just didn't look like a, a cohesive monster pack. Yes, a, a kind of a telling moment was the missed tackle on Rio Dyer. You know, they try and they try and run the ball and they don't seem brilliantly set up to do it. And there's a kick under pressure, kick chase isn't great. And there's the missed tackle with Omahani and Fekatoa. And, you know, it was interesting on the television afterwards, Fiona Dunico Callahan. And I pondered aloud, like he said, in fairness to the likes of Amahani and other internationals coming back, there is a certain reality in the game where the frontline players do come back that bit later and they, they pitch in and you need those around you to protect you at times or to get you through a game. O'Callaghan looked at, he said, that middle group at Munster, mm-hmm. he said, I have to be honest, I'm just not sure if a lot of them are up to scratch to the standard required. 
Yeah, and he's right. Now, I, I would argue, I think if you're putting in big performances for Ireland and we're looking at the likes of O'Mahony and he's going out doing it in over New Zealand, I think you've got to come back and you've got to put the same heart and soul into your performances with Munster. And I know, as you said, they had some time off, but yes, that middle group should be able to, to step up. But I think the internationals coming back need to have a look at themselves as well because the errors were very, very basic and you're putting a new coaching group under serious pressure at the start of a season. Hmm. Are we overreacting? Maybe just, I'm not overreacting, maybe a little. Like I, I will look at next week and I know they need time to settle, but I, I really just looked at the game. I stood back and, and I watched it a couple of times. And as I said, I, I spoke about the errors. I couldn't I couldn't believe some of the knock-ons that I saw before me, some of the penalties they were giving away. So maybe they do need just some time, some cohesiveness together to play together. I mean, you've got Fekitawa and Goggin, you know, Chris Farrell is out now. So that centre pair and didn't um, look too explosive Fekitoa did at times people were almost coming in and out of the game and um, I suppose we do need to give, give this group time together to gel together but when you look at the likes of Ulster who were absolutely immense hmm. and Leinster found their form again this week in attack you just look at that that monster attack and I didn't see much to offer I don't, I don't think we are because we're not saying the season's over we're not saying the coach should be sacked we're not saying drop the whole lot of them we're just saying it was a really really bad performance and it's ominous for what's coming and Fiona's gone through it in, in, in like you know really insightful de- detail there, like what's going wrong in the performances, and no doubt they're doing that in UL this week, and no doubt they will have a response. They should have had a response last Sunday, but I think we will see in Cork on on this Saturday a response against Ebra, a game they should win anyway. But it's just being able to back it up consistently over the course of a season. Um, like Graham Rowntree comes from a, very, you know, a strong winning environment. You know he was a strong winner as a player, but this is his first head coaching job, and it started poorly um, and I think that's largely down to the players performances but it's up to him to get the players performances and he can analyse like he almost sounded like a pundit in the way that he talked about them and we always wanted Van Grant to be more you know like that when, when he spoke about it but it's up to him to fix those things now and like I know Mike Prendergast is an excellent coach and you know Leamy you hear great, good things about him from Leinster as well there's a good group of coaches there but they didn't put the squad together yeah. Rantree didn't sign these players they, they, they were, there were there were areas that needed to be strengthened that weren't strengthened and then the players that are there pitch up against a team they should be beating and they don't perform. That's that he has to be concerned, and he does sound concerned. It does, it's yeah. not like he's ignoring it. Uh, just one last uh, thought, Fiona. You alluded to it, but in attack, we're you know very curious to see how Munster um, change in attack. Now, when the basic skills were letting them down so badly and so routinely, it's hard to get any kind of flow. But bar that burst before half time when they scored the two tries against that blitz Dragons defence things looked fairly lateral fairly comfortable for Dragons there weren't regular inroads from Munster it was just fairly tepid stuff yeah it was very lateral I, I was wondering was I going to see something before half time and then when I saw that that burst by Healy obviously he, he saw the, the space and he exploited it but they didn't kick on from there again it went back I think the, the main thing for me is that gain line and the, and the pack carrying the ball they're not getting that gain line so therefore even at the scrum they weren't getting the, foot, the front foot at scrum time the Dragons scrum was impressive at times but even looking at that you, you know, you have a back line that's retreating. So all I could see was lateral passing. They were literally going from one side to the other. It will take time. Um, I thought in the in the first game, I thought they they had kind of moved away from that box kicking game. It crept in again in the, in the Dragons game. So look, they are changing things up. I'd like to see a little, with a blitz defence, I would have liked to seen a bit more ball in over that defence and maybe exploiting that area a bit 
in front of the back tree and you know just behind the defensive line there and look they will look at videos and they'll try and do something but I definitely didn't see any evolve from from last year so far but I I do think that it will take time and there's constant changes in that back line as well Joe we haven't had a, a centre partnership that's played together in and even towards the tail end of last season and Joey Carberry's going in Healy's in you have Casey Murray I do think they need to get a little bit of cohesion and maybe stick with the same players for a couple of games so they can feel each other out and see how they like to play. Yes, absolutely. Well, I know Leinster, it was at 7-6 Ronnie Parade around this time last year. You can have iffy performances at the start, but I think they reacted the following week and Munster didn't react to Cardiff last week is the worry. And they won. And they won. And as we've said, you know, we will be talking in several months' time when everybody's forgotten these two games about Munster's fight to get a home knockout as a quarterfinal or semi-final depending on the URC. And it will come down to God, they passed up an easy four points across these two games potentially so it is important in an 18 game season by the way seeing as you two are um, very much charging ahead on the We Hate Munster uh, bandwagon <laughs> no way um, it was quite interesting yesterday just as an aside we don't have to spend long on this but it was uh, quite interesting Ben Healy did a very good interview with Peter O'Reilly in the Sunday Times and he was talking about and again like so this is, a, this is I, I hadn't meant to bring this part up but given what we said about pre-season interestingly he talked about sitting in the changing room in Belfast after the defeat last year and saying well usually we go on holiday and then just pitch up for the new season I didn't want to do that so he went to Michigan and trained all through the summer uh, put on bulk worked on his kicking so like there's a there is a dedication as well to these players and he played yesterday so we can't say he's not fit for instance and maybe others did something similar so it's worth uh, making that point but what was strange was he was uh, reminiscing about the two missed penalty kicks against Toulouse in the uh, Champions Cup last year at the Aviva Stadium and so like Peter Riley was curious you know at what stage of the week or how did it come to be that you were kicking the two from the right and it was Conor Murray through the middle and Joey Carberry Carberry on the left the easier angle I suppose how was it you know how did you work that out or what stage he said in the huddle at like (laughs) two minutes before the thing where he just said, I, I don't mind going from the right. And that was it. I now, did read that and I did think the same thing. I, I know they did practice right. and they did prepare for the eventuality of penalties. I suppose the one thing in Van Graan's defence, because that's a Van Graan call, was that you don't know which players will actually be on the pitch at the end of the game. So maybe you had a couple of players who were comfortable in different areas and, you, and then you go to players, well, how are you feeling? Because you've played 120 minutes of or 100 minutes of rugby or whatever it is with extra time you know you may be cramping up you may not be able to do it but it did seem yeah I'm giving benefit out there a little bit but it did seem like poor uh, poorly thought through and maybe it just speaks to the lack of kind of overall alignment the planning that's going on down in Munster and just that the, 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 that's leading to these these performances on the whole but um but they, I, now I remember hearing that they had practice that, that it wasn't like they just pitched up like a team and you know, who just didn't believe in penalties like in Vernon Van Grand, he was diligent and very thorough in his preparation and would have been thinking about it but I'm surprised yeah that they hadn't said right Ben these are ones you're doing um, but I suppose they would have thought Healy's just good enough to kick them from anywhere because he, he's usually so reliable as a kicker I thought he was, he was quite decent yesterday yeah Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us 
Uh, Stormers 38, Connick 15 in Stellenbosch. Uh, bonus point win for Stormers. They scored their fourth try in the 83rd minute. There was only five in it at half time. Uh, we'll come on to Bundiaki in just a moment. I suppose, Fiona, the, the trend with Connacht right through last season has been defence and they mentioned defence as they flew out to South Africa and so that would be a big focus and still some of the tries they're conceding are just too easy for this level. They're, they're too easy to score against still. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought that was a, a good game to watch. I did enjoy it, especially that uh, Venter try. But, you know, it looked amazing. A great team try by um by the Stormers. But if you looked at the tackling tech of the guys, you know, there was lovely offloading. But I just thought that the tackling of the Connacht guys was awful high at times. And I think they're getting caught. Even, um you know, uh, Mac Hansen was bumped off as well because he went too high. Like, he's a small guy. He should be tackling guys low. So, you know, I think their defensive system and looking them, they, they do look a little bit more comfortable than they did last year but I think it's just that getting low and, and shutting those offloads and getting the getting maybe two man two man tackles because it doesn't seem that the, the one person tackles are absolutely killing the ball especially when they go white mm. uh, The decisive moment although to be fair it's maybe wrong to call it decisive but maybe the final nail in the coffin came at 19 points to 8 so Stormers were starting to assert their dominance but Bundiaki cleared out Sibelo Senatla and Senatla's was down uh, poaching the ball in effect his head's exposed the back of his head's exposed and Bundiaki drives his shoulder in to the head of Sinatla now Aki asked the referee well where do you want me afterwards he's definitely pro- uh, protesting the decision where do you want me he said a few times and Jared Butler was there as well but I mean it's an open and shut red card and it's his um, well he's a two for Ireland in Samoa and England and he's 32 years of age. Like, there's no real mitigation here. You just can't drive your shoulder into someone's head. I mean, yeah, where do you want me? Well, either shoulder or, you know, get onto the body and try and roll him. Um, that's what he would have been coached to do. And there's a wider conversation to be had about the jackal because it's another incident mm-hmm. where the jackal is basically, is out for four to six weeks. Uh, sorry, four to six months as a result of the shoulder injury that he's, he's, he suffered in that incident. Um he was illegal before Bundyaki arrived. He did put his hands on the ground and then go up onto the ball, but that doesn't excuse Aki. I timed it yesterday. He had a second, so it's not a lot of time. But he player, you know, time slows down when you're a player in that scenario. He's done. He's hit so many rocks at so many points. He had time in terms of he was about five meters away when Sonatla got on the ball. He accelerated into it, mm. and he he went for Sonatla. Now I'm not saying he went out to hit him on the inner head but he just thundered into that collision and he like the first I've watched it on I view RCTV and I've got South African comms and they they go oh what a hit that's their initial (laughs) reaction and then someone says oh we might be in trouble and as Connacht worked away across and scored a try which would have brought the game into into the mix um, you could hear the referee saying can you check that for me And, and the conversation begins and Aki's conduct afterwards now like whatever chance he had of mitigation having two red cards on the international scene is not good so as they go through the the different things that bring down a suspension so that's one mitigation that's out the window because he's got he's got prior and he hasn't he hasn't adjusted his technique he's you know both of those red cards were for t- high tackles then he he chases not chases the chases is too strong but he 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 remonstrates quite strongly with the referee he puts his hand on the ref a little bit butler has to shoo him away he's quite aggressive quite confrontational and he continues with the touch judge on the sideline um and again your conduct when you're being sent off does come into it in these hearings and South Africa is six weeks away the first test of the November internationals 
and Andy Farrell's looking at that. He's already missed a World Cup quarter final because of his discipline, because of this issue. He's, I, you know, whether he's going to be suspended for November or whether it'll definitely come into his selection. It, it's a really damaging moment, and also he's Connacht's most important player, and now he's gone for this critical part of the season. When they've re- we've been, ta- I've been in here talking about how tough Connacht's schedule is. They've the Bulls, Connacht, and Leinster in the next three games. It's it's a really poor moment for him. He let he's let himself down, his teammates and his coach down, and it's it's really it was a really poor moment for him. Mm. Thoughts, Fiona? Yeah, I I think it's very interesting, Rory. I had an argument with my brother yesterday as well around this area. He was kind of insisting that um, maybe players going over the ball, the jackler, are actually almost being coached to put their head down into that position. And, you know, that will stop the clean out. But I think it's it's kind of along the lines of the referee, I, I think, around that area, that if they do get their hands on the ground before it, I think the whistle needs to be blown a little bit sharper before that. But on the Bundyaki thing, went straight in. He's absolutely reckless. He throws his whole, you know, body down the back of Sonatla's head like he knows better than that. And then to, to carry on afterwards, I couldn't believe it. You know, he still kept answering. He's at a high level. He knows that there is no way he's going to be able to change the referee's mind and the referee isn't going to stop everything and tell him exactly and pinpoint where exactly he should have rucked him out or or where he, he, he should have had that clean out. He's frustrated, but we're... You know, you're talking about the November internationals. I'm looking at a World Cup. There's a lot of talk about, you know, teams winning World Cups and a discipline is going to come into it massively. And if you're a coach and you're looking at that, it doesn't really it doesn't really look good for Bundy, does it, going forward? Yeah, he brings aggression. But if you're in the midst of it, you talked about a quarter final already. Imagine you're in in a World Cup semi final final, and a player loses the rag. You have to be able to 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 have a player that you can hundred percent back. And his aggression levels are excellent, and what he brings to Connacht. And sometimes in an Ireland jersey, he just ups everything and lifts intensity. But it's definitely an area that Andy Farrell will be looking at going forward when when selecting those centre pairings. I think he's got an increasingly frustrated figure at Connacht over the years. I think last year he. I think it was Matthew Reynal in the Leicester game at the end of the game he, he protested a, a, a decision for a long time after it had been made in a similar way that he did yesterday again that will work against him and you wonder whether having won the league in 16 and being part of a very good Connacht team then he's watched them kind of revert back to being a mid-table mid to low they were quite that far down the table last year and comparing that with the experience he has with Ireland and the players that he plays with there has that been a difficulty for him to to adjust to Emery he, mm-hmm. he was complaining about the, the, the training ground one time a couple of years ago and kind of after, after an Ireland camp he was back in the muck in Connacht and he was you know like it, it, that must be quite frustrating for him that maybe you know he's won Super Rugby with the Chiefs he's he's won the Pro 12 and Connacht really haven't they've declined since that point and they don't look anywhere near competitive to win trophies again mm-hmm. during his time as, as a player so that, that must be Eating away. It's not an excuse, but it does at times look very frustrated there. Yeah, fair point. By the way, it sounds like he'll be the first ever player before disciplinary hearing where it's not like, you know, he's nice to children and old people and he's a great person. It's the first first player ever who's not just getting... Well, we will see, like, we'll see, but th- those things are... Th- these are all the things that they usually fall back on. It's your prior record and your conduct and he's kind of... He's in trouble on both fronts. So that's... Right. Now, the URC... You know they're they're generally quite a kind organisation when it comes to these things. So mm. we'll see, but uh, yeah, I think he's in trouble. Okay, you're listening to Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent and Grand Slam winner Fiona Hayes. Rugby and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We mentioned Ulster a few times when we were uh, talking about Munster. Fifty-five points against uh, Scarlets, thirty-nine conceded, admittedly, but still. Uh, two for two, real sharpness about their play. John Cooney uh, pitches up Fiona with thirty points, and he's man of the match. So. 
They um, look in really good fettle and the, the, the try Scarlet scored like there was an intercept and there were mm. a couple of mauls. They, they weren't cut open at times. It, it's still a hefty enough score to concede. But suddenly Leinster in Belfast next Friday really catches the eye now. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking game. I, I, I really enjoyed that uh, Ulster game over the weekend. I thought they were outstanding in attack. They played some of the, the best uh, attack in rugby of the weekend. You know, McCluskey is someone who's just looks like he's on fire. Um, he, he, he was just brilliant. What he does, he just attacks that gain line. And he's getting ground every time. Um, John Cooney, you spoke of him. He just looks like a player who's relaxed. I, I think that Ireland... That whole Ireland, you know, there was shouts for him to be called up and it's it, that ship maybe has sailed as such. And he, he just looks like he's enjoying his rugby. His kicking game is really strong, but he looks very, very comfortable. And he's he's been outstanding. And even that, that, that try he scored off Michael Lowry, I mean, that was just a, a great thing to watch. Ulster are, are playing some of the best rugby um, in, the, in the country, I think, at the minute. And, you know, I, I had to go back and it obviously kind of wasn't televised at the time. I had to go back and, and watch it online. And I was just really really impressed and their their front uh, their forwards as well were excellent you Tom O'Toole and you know Marty Moore the front row are, have been exceptional I think at times as well mm. We're spoiled for centres at international level Fiona but have, McCluskey can't be too far away no, he's not. He's just, I suppose he's that different type of centre than, um, you know, the likes of Ringrose and Henshaw. I think they, they might be, you know, their their footwork, they're, they're really good um, defensively as well. But I think McCluskey just brings that kind of bulk. He gives you that bit of oomph up the middle. He's quite skilled player as well, but I, he always seems to attack that outside shoulder and he looks to get his hands free. I think he's just settled inside and in that Ulster squad as well. And it's almost like, you know, even Burns, everyone knows how to play off him it, it, they look like there's great cohesion there and McCluskey seems to be kind of that leader in the back line I thought Burns had a good game obviously he gave that pass to Fafita isn't it and there was a lovely intercept score he ran the length of the pitch but I thought he kind of put his head up after that and scored a try um, himself McCluskey is definitely there thereabouts and he's someone that will that they Ireland should definitely think about bringing to, to a World Cup because he he offers something he's similar to Bundy he can get you that real kind of frontline attack ball if you give him the ball and he's also quite skillful and he's lovely out the back passes he's back three what potentially goes against him Rory is he's very much specialist centre if you're trying to pitch in a World Cup squad at a 12 as well you know it's not even you know Robbie can move to to 13 I think Bundyaki can at a push even Ringrose has played 12 here and there he's probably one injury away now you know he'll, probably, he'll be in if Aki is suspended uh, you know he'll be in the squad he was in New Zealand as a late call up you just wonder if if the if the th- if everything aligned for him and he got a couple of games under his belt at that level and he, and he got comfortable there I think he could be a really good international rugby player but he's just never been able never been given that chance to to uh, to prove himself and it, it, a little bit like a couple of other players Ross Byrne being one where you know he got dropped in and twicking him and then got pulled out and then he's been in teams that have been kind of hodgepodge mixed match teams and get you know the the middle game of November you know in a, in a, and he's never really done it in those games he's never really looked that, that comfortable in the Ireland shirt whereas with Ulster he's just phenomenally phenomenally good and a joy to watch and you know going back to the Munster thing earlier like Ulster have never been I've always taken the URC really seriously um, there are, the, the games are events up there on Friday nights it's a big thing and they've all, they always take an awful lot of joy from winning these games whoever they're playing whether it's Zebra or, or Dragons they, they think it's worth winning so and, and like 
this is the most realistic avenue for silverware and they look like a team who could win something they 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 they've took out Leinster twice last season they yeah. they are a really strong side good to watch and they're they're building something very spe- not special but they're building something very strong under Dan McFarland it's quite a good approach that they take to the URC in that they make those friday nights as you said big events good atmosphere and I suppose if you're a 50-50 fan and you're thinking, will I, won't I, you're far more inclined to go along than if you think you're going to, I mean, Tom and Park jumps to mind and it's, well, how how invested are some of the players in, in this and they see bigger days ahead and European rugby ahead, whereas Ulster have none of those notions and it, it probably adds a few thousand to the gate, I would think, most Fridays. Yeah, I think it does and, you know, it's all we have, really, the URC, you know, it's like, I think it's time to stop being sniffy about it because... There's four European Cup pool games. The European Cup pool doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Um, you might get one knockout, you might get two knockouts, you might get all the, all the way to a final in Dublin if you're very, very lucky. But increasingly, you know, it's only one Irish win in the last ten years. So this this is the the bread and butter, and you you know, uh, Ulster seem to relish that bread and butter a lot more than other teams. Leinster, very comfortable start to this season against uh, Italian opposition in weeks one and two. Fiona, they scored uh, 42 points. Dan Sheehan scored four tries. Keane Healy made his 250th appearance for Leinster, which is worth noting, made his debut in 2007. It's quite something. What, 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 how many of us were doing the same thing in 2007 as we are now? But he's um, trucking along 15 years. And I suppose Frawley's shoulder injury, uh, not good. So I don't know. Across weeks one and two, Fiona, is there anything that you can deduce from Leinster that would surprise us? <laughs> Um, no, I thought um, from a Leinster perspective, I thought they've um, got a gem in Jason Jenkins. He looks to be kind of really bulking up that second row. He's getting them um, good goal forward ball. So I think he, he's he got a good two games under his belt where he looks really good. Obviously, we you know, their Dan Sheen was immense again, even though he, he, he slid into the back of them all and the lads at the front do all the work, but he, he still got four tries. Um, I think there's definitely an area and probably Sean O'Brien might be a bit disappointed. I thought at the break time down sometimes Benetton kind of caught him on the hop I think especially in the first 30 minutes I think they could have had maybe three turnovers at the break time which would be unusual for a Leinster team so I think that might be an area Ulster would would target uh, on Friday night as well and then on the flip side of that Joe um I, I, you know, those mall tries that went in against Ulster, Leinster's mall was absolutely exceptional, well-formed and and that's an area Ulster are going to have to be much better defending, whether they go up in the air and try and win that ball or whether they get formed nice and uh, quick down before uh, Leinster get a chance to get the push on, but there it should be a cracking game, but I, I think you can't really tell much from that Leinster team, they've changed their squad for, for both games and although they didn't look as comfortable um, last week as they did this week, um, it just seems like they the usual Leinster team where they're able to swap guys in and out and everyone kind of floats in seamlessly but this this game on Friday will be a big test for them Yeah I echo that I mean it's we'll have you know Sexton's back this week James Gibson Park's back this week Ken Lawrence went off with a head injury and he's not available this week that's a bit of a concern because he has a bit of history with that although what I've been reading recently has reframed my understanding of concussion over the last couple of weeks but the um, the show's gone on they always win these games it's how they do it. They're winning it quite tight at the moment. I mean, the, the, it looks like Natai's t- taking a while to, to settle in. The the backs were decent on Friday, but they didn't really have to use them. They you know their, their mall was so strong. And I think that's a concern sometimes that they they, they they can get they can beat teams quite 
comfortably by not doing an awful lot in this like competition. URC Leinster for me, I just think of the mulling pe- te- teams off the pitch. Yeah, which that, that that hurts them when it gets to the, the the business end in Europe. But I think what what benefits Leinster this year is that they've got Rassing in their pool because they didn't win the URC this year. They're not seeded in Europe, so they've got Rassing in their pool. They've got Gloucester. They're two tough games. Mm. The last couple of years they've had really easy European games or or none at all because of COVID. So um, I think Friday night will tell an awful lot. You know that they are the outstanding Northern Hemisphere team in this tournament the more what makes this year interesting is that there's a couple of outstanding South African teams as well who um, I think will put it up to them and, and make life a lot more interesting for them in the, in the competition I'm sure you've got your uh, feelers out so Stuart Lancaster confirms his departure this evening who will Leinster be looking at? Uh, it's very early because it's it, it, I, I just came from the Leinster press conference where Lancaster did his, his media bit today and explained his reasons and all that sort of stuff and, and he was saying one of the reasons it's it attracted them is that Rassing got their business done really early like Rassing are changing their entire structure and they wanted to have it all in place really really early so um, I don't think Leinster are there yet but they have they have time because there's a World Cup and there's a lot of coaches who will be coming off contract at, at the end of the World Cup Um they can look within. Andrew Goodman comes from the Crusaders. He's in his first season, but he is very highly regarded. He comes from a very strong environment. Uh, he's made a imp- good impression since he's come in. They've O'Brien, who is taking on a very much more prominent role than Dennis Leamy, who he replaced. He was in the coaching box on, on Friday night. Leamy was never in the coaching box. The players are absolutely raving about Sean O'Brien and the impact he's made. And he could step up. So they could almost concertina up a little bit. Sexton's retiring after the World Cup, we think. Could he potentially, you know, step into the coaching, not as the head senior coach to replace Stuart Lancaster, but maybe take Goodman's role and responsibilities? I thought he's pretty much on the record as saying he's not going to be a coach. Oh, but they all say that, and then they all they change their mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, he's got a lot of a lot to offer in that regard, and he loves rugby. He thinks it would be an awful lot. I, 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 stru- th- I thought he was prepping for the afterlife in the business world, and doing no, all no that doubt he is. But if Leo Cullen comes to us, yeah, I think that's a hard thing for him to turn down if it comes to him maybe he should go to Lancaster and say can I is Ratton for me in Racing like Raj had and it didn't work out for him the first time he went to to, to, to to France but maybe if he does go down that route but I, he's got a lot to offer to the game and oh, it, sure, would be, yeah. it, it would be certainly worth the conversation outside of that a Tony Brown if they were to stick the same structure Tony Brown is the former Highlanders coach I think he double jobs between the Highlanders and Japan he yeah. was the architect of Japan's great revival he might have because he doesn't like the top job and the exposure. He he might fit into that Lancaster mold, mold, but they may have to revisit the whole model because to get someone who's just coached the national team to come in as your assistant and kind of run the show without being the top man it takes a very certain set of circumstances. No, it does. And, and Brown actually was who I thought because he fits that bill or much like Lancaster. He looks at all the media nonsense and thinks, well, no interest mm-hmm. in that. But I, I think, as I understand it, Fiona, and, and who knows, the RFU don't love the role director of rugby. And so that's why Leo Cullen, who in effect is director of rugby and Stuart Lancaster was effectively head coach, even though he didn't have the title. I don't know why they're so wedded to that um, approach, but in effect, they are hunting a head coach here. Yeah, that's it. They definitely are. I mean, Leo looks after by, you know, he's obviously on pitch with the guys, but he's looking after everything else. So Stuart Lancaster, you know, he's he's the main man. He stepped in in um, in 2016. He's been there for, he thought it'd be one season. He's been there for seven seasons. He's kind of run the show 2018. You know, you saw his style and how, and how Leinster played. And it's definitely going to be that head coach role. But I suppose if Leo Cullen is still around, mm. um, you, you just want someone to step in, take over that, 
exactly the same. I mean, Tony Brown works really well with Jamie Joseph. They they kind of had that bond together and that really worked well. And we see the same with, with Cullen and Lancaster. So it, it's someone that you want someone to come in that obviously isn't kind of full of bears and graces and I need this and I want to be head coach and, yes. you know, their name and media. So someone's just have to come in and, you know, basically be all about rugby and, and take that back step and let Leo kind of deal with the media and, and probably deal with a lot of the players as well. So okay. that would rule out Eddie Jones, for instance, that type of, of person. That's what we want, isn't it? Eddie Jones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you heard her first. Eddie. Well, I mean, Leo Cullen hasn't signed the new contract either. So, and it's very early in the season, mm. the, the, the whole thing. And he may look at it, and I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to do this, but he yeah. does, in his statement and in his conversation about this, he has said that, you know, these things work in cycles and teams come to an end. And Leo Cullen has always put Leinster in front of himself and his own ego and, and is, is Leinster first. And I don't know if Scott Robertson is available and you put in the call and you, you, you go to the best coach yeah. in the world and he says, well, I'd be interested in that. Leo might step aside and let him in and there may be another role in Irish rugby for him. Like these, I don't think anything's off the table sure. right now. You've got a new CEO coming in from Google with no rugby experience. Mick Dawson's heading off into, into the sunset. That's an, an additional challenge. Now, between Cullen and Simon, or sorry, Guy Easterby, there's an awful lot of experience there to run the rugby sh- side of the house. But this is a, pretty pivotal moment in Leinster's recent history and they got their last big succession wrong when they got Matt O'Connor in to replace Joe Schmidt so this is um, they'll have to get this right because I think Robertson is keen to manage in every competition before he's done with coaching so Leinster wouldn't be a bad vehicle to and there's a really strong relationship there because because of what they did during COVID they worked together his assistant coach is already there from from his time like Goodman worked for him there as well Um, it's worth the it's worth the phone call. Fiona, um, do you think Ronan O'Gara would accept a Leinster job if it was offered to him? I think he would. I think he's looking at his career. You know, he's he's obviously happy in La Rochelle. Um, you know, <laughs> I think the older you get, and I found that uh, myself, and and you kind of pull away from your playing days. Uh, the old Munster Leinster rivalry isn't as strong. You, you start looking at rugby as rugby. You know, there's a, a lot of people I got stick for for coming on Joe sometimes and and speaking positively about Leinster. <laughs> Because I was such a an adamant monster supporter, so I, I think he the way Ronan approaches rugby, he just looks at it and God, like the the talent Leinster have, I'm sure he'd absolutely love to to work with them. He ideally it would be Munster, but there would be less pressure on Ronan Agar as well to perform at Leinster than down at Munster. Yeah. There would be massive pressure from the Munster fans and supporters on his shoulder. Whereas if he's at Leinster, he, everyone knows he's a good coach and he's just stepping in away from that Munster kind of side of things. After reason I asked Rory is would you be of the opinion that the powers that be will think O'Gara has to take one of the provinces before he can take the national no, side? Or no, I don't think so. I think yeah. um, David Nussifor, I think it would be ideal because he would come into the system and he would have, like, take away the, the background and say you have this coach who's, they, just take the CV and forget about the fact that he was you know, one of Munster's greatest players and that has an existing strong rivalry with Leinster or at least a perceived one and you look at the CV of what he's achieved, he will be very much top of the list. Yeah. Um, Add in the fact that he's Irish and an Irish legend and high profile and would like it would be so fascinating. I wonder if they're burned by the the Declan Kidney experience. And I don't think it's comparable. I think O'Gara would I don't know if you do it. I've never talked to him about whether you do it or not. Like he certainly wouldn't rule it out on the record, I think. Uh, now whether what he'd say off the record, I don't know. I think he would like to go into international rugby directly from La Rochelle. But this would be a nice stepping stone and a, a way to get closer to home. Um it's interesting. I, I, if only I, there was some way on the show we could put it to him. <laughs> Some, <laughs> somehow. Can't wait for Friday. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're so out of time. We've got to wrap up. Rory O'Connor, the Irish Independent. Thank you. 
Good job. And Fiona Hayes, great to have you back. Thanks so much. Nice one. Thanks, Joe. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.